Random Art Tips and Rambles with Rafi. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi. And Klee. And today we're going to talk about uh, professional jealousy. Professional jealousy. And I also want to take this opportunity to segue into exclusivity and clicks of the art world. Oh, yeah. On the micro and macro scale. Let's do it. Okay, so our awesome question comes from CM Ralph. And CM Ralph is asking, have you ever done a talk about being the target of professional jealousy? This comes up for me being in a small rural community, and it seems whenever I share my work locally, I get hit with a lot of pettiness from the art community. Case in point, I recently joined a local artist Facebook group. I posted one drawing and got a public warning that I was posting in the wrong place, and I had to create an album and post to that. There were no rules posted to this effect, and other artists were posting their work without getting warnings. Nonetheless, I complied with their request and posted a second piece of work to my new album, and again had someone else jump on me publicly and accuse me of taking over their group page. Lol. With two drawings? Wow. Anyway, have you ever dealt with this? It only bothers me in so much as I feel picked on. A little, I suspect, for being the only professional-level artist in the group. Thanks, CM. Um, yeah, actually, I have dealt with that. I've dealt with that on both sides, though. A group of artists who start, especially when you're dealing with Facebook, that start a Facebook page and they are basically doing this thing where they want to promote themselves out there. Right. And then I'll go on there because I want to show my support. That comes down to the insecurity of artists that are just getting started that still are under the impression that it is a competition. Right, that that something you gain might take away opportunity from them. Right. I don't have a lot of experience with online groups. Like, I haven't joined a lot of online groups. I've become part of some of them that were, like, involved in actual in-person things, like market groups and such. But right. I tend to stay away from them because, A, oftentimes if they were established way earlier, they have formed, like, a click. Yeah. so to speak, and uh, also because I've seen a lot of complaining on internet yes. groups, a lot of complaining and commiserating, and anything inspiring that you might have to say is either met with crickets or uh, backlash. Well, it's one of the reasons I don't join groups anymore. Yeah. I don't join groups. The only groups that I do join on Facebook or anywhere else is like our patrons, the people that follow us on Patreon, because uh they're they're inviting me to the group and there are patrons and they're doing some really really awesome things in the art world yeah and of course uh speaking of our patrons we decided to form our own community of people and um i feel very fortunate to say that we've attracted a lot of positive inspiring uplifting geniuses to right. our online community which is all inclusive regardless of what level of skill or experience you have or what background you come from yeah exactly because a lot of them some of them uh create art uh because they just use it for self-expression some of them create art as a career some so of them that, have an yeah. academic background. Which Some is, of them are just which is, getting started. Yeah, it's an awesome group because you, when you have a diverse group of people, there is so much that you can learn from everyone on the group. Whether somebody is self-taught or they went to school for art, whether or not they're selling it, whether or not they're just a crazy mad genius that loves to create for themselves. Yeah. Like you, there is something amazing and beneficial from having a group like that. 
we have people that work in uh, painting. We have people that work in sculpture. We have people that work in pastels. We have people that work on digital art. Like everyone in the group uh, has different personalities and like the different ambitions. And it's amazed me how that unity and diversity has come together to form something amazing. I think some of that gets lost when you're looking at uh, some of the groups that get formed. Yeah, and I want to make mention of something really quick because um, some of our Patreon community, our Rogue Artist family, on Discord where we can share art with each other, a handful of them have asked whether it was okay or not to post their medium to Discord because it's not your typical art medium. Right. Because I can feel that sense of caution like they're afraid to get backlash maybe because they've experienced it elsewhere and we're like yes yes share it whatever it is share it with us but i think people are cautious about that whether it's because oh well your medium doesn't count as art or well you weren't part of this clique when we established it or you're not at the same level as us or you don't come from the same background as us there's a lot of pettiness and whenever i encounter pettiness on the internet in general wherever it is right i'm like I don't need this. I don't need to be part of this. Well, it was interesting because even even like within the the professional realm, right? So like it, here in Pensacola, they did a group uh, for the Pal Fox Market artists, right? Yes. Because the Pal Fox Market is closed due to COVID-19. And what ended up happening was that some people asked like if they could be part of the group because they're, you know, able to promote their stuff out to the the, the people that generally go and follow the Pal Fox market, yeah. and there was this division on there of some people were like, no, this is only for Pal Fox market vendors. And then other artists from the market were like, they're artists, just let them let them show their stuff. Yeah. And some of them that wanted to be included were artists that had applications pending to right. be part of the market that right. weren't yet accepted. Yeah, there was a whole lot of back and forth. I saw that on there, too. It's it's interesting to me because for me, um, I I'm more about everything being all inclusive. Right. As long as you are being respectful of everybody as part of the group, like the rules that I have on Discord are basically don't be an a-hole. Right. If you're an a-hole, I'm going to delete you from the group. Uh, you know, and that that's that's the only rule from what CM Rolf was saying. The responses that she got from the people in the group to me is like the don't be an a-hole. I would delete them from the group. Right. So like that click in of itself just wouldn't wouldn't be applicable to my group because there's no room for jealousy, in my opinion, when it comes to art. Right. And this sort of passive aggressive behavior, especially chaps my hide, where it's like, you're not saying whatever it is that's underlying that we're a tight knit group and we don't whatever. It's like at that point, just don't don't try to nitpick at somebody based on your rules and regulations right. for albums to post in. Like it's just passive aggressive to me. Well, when it comes to when it comes to art, when it comes to anything, not just like with artists, right? Um, with artists, I could I could say this because I've experienced this in different levels. Uh, there is an insecurity that comes with the with being an artist, right? Because mm-hmm. basically the way that the standards have been for artists is you are not actually a real artist unless you do this, right? So either you went to art school and then now you're in a gallery or 
uh, you're self-taught, and now you're in a gallery. A, l- a lot of the prerequisite was what shows have you done? What, uh, you know, w- basically what gallery are you in? Who represents you? Uh, what awards have you won? It's almost like there are all these things that have to come together in order for one group or another to take you seriously as an artist. Right. I remember uh, when I did my first show at the Museum of Contemporary Art, one of my friends who is an artist uh, kind of looked down on me because he had his stuff in, uh, I believe it was like a furniture store, like a high-end furniture store. So he had paintings in a high-end furniture mm-hmm. store in Chicago and he had shown his stuff in some other places and he had a lot of friends that were artist friends and uh, and he kind of looked down on my stuff because I had never shown my art before and he couldn't believe that I got into the show. So it was like snarkiness because what are you doing here? Yeah, what are you doing here? Uh, you're you're not a real artist. And then on the reverse side of that, what CM Ralph is describing is that um, the the flip side of like if you've done things, if you've accomplished things, if you have something that's going and there's momentum and you're and maybe even you have awards and you've shown at places, then um, then you're arrogant. Yeah. And then what are you doing here? Uh, on that on that reverse end of right. it, the whole thing with hoity-toity and what you actually meant is exactly what we're talking about here. And it's anyone who's trying to exclude some other group because of credentials, lack lack of credentials, techniques that vary. You name it. Any right. Materials reason, that they use. Any reason you might come up with to say that we're better than you and you don't belong here is hoity-toity. Right. And that's and that's what I mean. And that's what you end up with having with some of these groups because you have a lot of self-taught artists that are completely anti-academia mm-hmm. because um, they're like, well, real artists, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that's, that's my biggest thing when it comes to the term real artist. Usually when that comes out of somebody's mouth, it's because they are uh, trying to make themselves feel better because they are part of this group. You know, you you get that a lot of people have contacted us about uh, artist guilds in their area and stuff like that. And how basically the mentality there is unless you're part of this artist guild, you're not actually a real artist in town unless you're part of this uh, 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 group. You're not actually a real artist in town. You're not taken seriously. Right. And I think that a lot of that has to do because of the way that the system is set up, where it's all about the accolades that you have. You know, like I am an award winning artist. I am also self-taught. I am also, you know, uh, somebody that is part of a gallery. I've also been part of other galleries. I've been part of high end shows. I've been part of low end shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done it all. Because I don't um, put myself in any kind of niche or label myself as any one thing. No show is beneath me and no show is above me. Agreed. Because people like to put themselves in those in those labels. In those categories. In those categories and end up, um, you know, secretly feeling less than and trying to justify why they're better than someone else. Fluffing your feathers. Right. Fluffing your feathers. That to me is hoity-toity. And it doesn't matter if you went to school or you are self-taught. There are plenty of self-taught artists that are completely hoity-toity because they're self-taught. And there are academic artists that are hoity-toity because they feel that their academia gives them 
reason to right. be a hoity-toity. You find them everywhere. Yeah. In our community, um, which our community is not entirely rural, but it's not urban either. And there's groups within groups within groups of people that you might encounter yeah. in person at various places. There is unspoken exclusivity within those groups. I feel like it's something you're going to encounter in the art world. I mean, one of, one of the things I encountered here was that you've got you've got a group of people that um, come from a certain money background, and they have the they're ba- they're basically tight knit. Their families have been here for their, generations. Their families have been here for mm-hmm. generations, and so like I don't fit into that group. And so anytime that I've applied for anything that that group is doing, that that group is doing, I don't get in, which is hilarious to me, because then on the one hand, I have to wonder, well, is it just because I'm me, I'm an outsider, or is it because my art sucks? Or is it because (laughs) you've had some success? Right. And there and and there's that competitive nature. Yeah. Now, the important thing there for me is not whether or not my art sucks or they're like pushing me out, because what ends up happening is uh, when you feel that there is a group out there that is excluding you, Mm -hmm. then what you tend to want to do is form the opposite group. And I feel like that's what has been going on for a long time with a lot. That's why you have people that are like academia is whatever. And they're like, no, self-taught or real artists and blah, right. blah. So you got and the it, thing and then you form the opposite of the thing. And yeah. then there's another group that forms the opposite of that thing. And yeah, exactly. And then you've got all these cliques out there. that are completely opposite of one another. And they're all claiming that that's what it means to be a real artist. And I'm like, that's, that's dumb. Like we're just, we're all artists. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. We don't need to draw the lines in the sand. So say la vie, you know, do you Yeah. Uh, to the groups. Um, oftentimes it's an opportunity to be like, okay, well, that reestablishes for me. Like, that's not my cup of tea. Here's what I'm about. Me personally, I right. don't need to form an anti-them group. Right. Um, but opportunity lies elsewhere for me. I tried to join a gallery when we first moved here and I got on their waiting list. And for whatever reason... I don't know what it was still to this day. I don't know. But I was on their waiting list for like three years. I checked yeah. in. It took it takes a long time to get in there. Right. Uh, I checked in. They had misplaced my name right. on the uh, waiting list. And so I filled it out again. And literally it's like eight years, nine years later. Now, I never got a call to even jury into that gallery. Right. And I knew some people in the gallery and maybe some of them liked me and maybe some of them didn't. Who knows what the deal was. But I never got that opportunity to jury into that gallery. But what I realized was I was uh, for a while agonizing over it. Like, what did I do? What's wrong with my work? What's right. This and, this? Right. and it turns out I didn't want to be a part of that gallery. And, and there's nothing wrong with that gallery, but opportunity lay elsewhere for me. Yeah. And and that was the simple truth of it. So it worked out to my benefit. I think a lot of times, too, what ends up, uh, you know, like you do get these groups and they do become uh, sort of hoity-toity because then all of a sudden there's this jury in system. Like they, they, you know, it's a group of artists, especially when you're dealing with a co-op, right? Mm -hmm. You get a group of artists together. um, They start a a co-op. They're able to show their work. They're all sharing within it. And then, you know, a generation later, you've got other artists that have to jury into this thing. And the moment that you have to uh, go into any place and prove yourself to those individuals there, right? 
where the standards when it comes to whether or not your art is good enough to make it in really you know because art is such a such a relative uh subjective subjective thing. thing that really those rules have a lot to do with the members themselves and what fits within their it's the same thing that happens at a gallery you know a gallerist is going to look at your work and say can i sell this to my collectors yeah which is personal taste yeah it, it has everything to do with personal taste but it's in some way shape or form that eventually becomes a thing where it's like you become an exclusive group and you think to yourself that the artwork that is being shown there is the good artwork and anything that gets rejected is the bad artwork. Yeah, and I've seen some egos get very inflated in environments like that. Yeah, and and what ends up happening, because we all know, you know, I joined a co-op at one point, I joined a gallery at another point, and like all of a sudden that was a notch on my belt. I didn't even realize how insecure I was and how much I needed to be part of a gallery in for order the status. Yeah, in order for your mom to take me seriously <laughs> as an artist. And it wasn't until like being there for a little while and realizing like I am way more successful as my own business as an artist than I am relying on a gallery. And realizing at that point, like I don't need a gallery. Right. And then then understanding that, like, it's not whether or not you're in a gallery or not that that makes you an artist. It's just, are you enjoying what you're doing and are you creating art? Because essentially, if you're an artist, you're creating art, you know, and you are pushing your the envelope of what you create and you're 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 challenging yourself and you keep creating and keep creating. I mean, that's really if you're an artist it's because you create art. Yeah, and it's a very personal thing, and it's your journey. And anyone that you might choose to surround yourself with online or in person, if they're petty and unsupportive, then they're not your people. Yeah. Is what I've learned. I'm part of galleries now, full of good people. Yeah. Supportive, awesome people. Uh, I don't want to surround myself with petty BS. I don't have time for that. In order to make something real, in order to make something true for the general public, mm -hmm. you do have to label it. So now we have this label of mainstream art. And outsider right? art. And outsider art. Yeah. Right. So outsider art, uh, either you're self-taught or uh, you, you've got mental issues. Like that's mm -hmm. the description in the in, in the dictionary. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, okay, so either you taught yourself or you have mental issues. Or, or some both. combination there. Yeah. yeah. So like you've got outsider art. You've got mainstream art and uh, within the mainstream art sector, you have uh, these other labels that describe uh, the other prestigiousness of the artist. Right. This is historically important. This is politically important. This is whatever. You know, and when you stop and you think about that and you think about the ridiculousness of the system that's set in place, and really that system is more so set in place so that the middlemen could make more money on something, right? So like even to the extent where Daniel Radcliffe was told that he was not allowed to buy a painting allowed to buy a painting because, because he was not important enough of right. a collector he didn't fit the criteria for the, the provenance they the were provenance looking for that they were looking yeah, for yeah which is insane at that point daniel radcliffe is not part of this group and so he's not allowed to buy stuff it's ridiculous it's yeah. the same thing that happens at the art auctions it's the same thing that happens there is a snootiness and a hoity-toityness of status that has everything to do with made up rules in a very, very uh, falsely labeled career. When you are an artist, 
you are an artist. You are either, you are creating whatever it is that you're creating for personal reasons. If you are, you know, and I'm not going to criticize the gallerist because if you are a gallerist who loves what you do and you sell art and you're there to promote artists because you love art and you want more art into the world, then that's what you're doing. If you're in it simply because you want to make the big money, because you want to collect wealthy collectors and that this group of people is not good enough and that group of people is not good enough. It was one of the things that I ran into uh, online with an artist that that wants to make it in the mainstream art world. And basically what he told me was that, you know, the collectors that are sitting in the VIP rooms at Art Basel are not the same people as the collectors who are just buying things from you at, from a main street gallery from a main street gallery or or a show mm-hmm. they're better like right. that was his words like they are better than these people so like immediately i'm like what are you insane like all of a sudden just because this person uh is known as a collector in the mainstream art world and uh you're going to go and kiss his butt in order to get your name out there in order to be able to fit in with this group of people that you think are better than other people? Like how, how freaking elitist is that? Like in my mind, there's no room for that bullshit when it comes to being an artist. Like that's, that's not what being an artist is about. And the whole thing shatters when you really start to look at it. Cause by that definition, then you would say that Daniel Radcliffe, who is Harry Potter, by the way, for any of you, everyone knows that Daniel Radcliffe is not as good as whoever they were holding out for, for that particular painting. Now, here's the funny part. Daniel Radcliffe contacted the artist directly. The artist, the artist actually found out about it and contacted Daniel Radcliffe. And ended because, up creating a yeah, custom Yeah, because the artist was a big, huge fan of right. Daniel Radcliffe and created a piece for him. So the artist himself and Daniel Radcliffe uh, had their own deal. So apparently Daniel Radcliffe was good enough for the artist, but not good enough for, for the, the gallery, gallery which yeah. is just it's all very very hysterically funny to me it when is, you get into that it stuff. is so so stupid and the the problem is that a lot of the that hijinks a lot of that stupidity when it comes to status and and all that stuff that needs to rule the mainstream art world because without that in place they wouldn't be able to ask for the amount of money that they're asking for a lot of these paintings of course because those paintings are vastly inflated they're not, they, you know, and, and here's the thing. I value art very much, but to pay a hundred million dollars for a work of art is absolute and complete bullshit. Like that, that is setting up the stakes to give a, basically an elite primary art world section and then bringing it, bringing the other art world down a notch into a place where, like, if you buy a painting that you absolutely love and adore for uh, $300, that it's not as valuable. It's not actually considered real art because it's not one of these $20,000, $50,000, $100,000 pieces. Right. So unless you've got millions of dollars of disposable income, you cannot have access to this. You can have this. But it's not right. real. And that's that's the problem. Then you've got this artist, this young artist that's contacting me and saying, yeah, well, that person that buys the $400 piece or the $200 piece, they're not the same as that person. You know, uh, that other person is better. Right. And and that 
I mean, it, it just, to me, I'm like, wait a second, but you're an artist. You're like this person that observes the world and you paint what you see and you're stuck in this place where you are saying that one group of people are better than the other simply because they have a better economic status. Right, which and, is it's horrible. And that to me is just absolute and complete and utter freaking crap. I mean, that gets into like fundamental problems with how people view other people, right. uh, which is a whole other can of worms. And I, I would say on the macro and micro level, um, the mainstream art world is set up to be exclusive and cutthroat yes. and ruthless. Yeah. And even on the micro scale... Uh, any pettiness, exclusivity, hierarchy, BS like that is set up under the premise that there's a finite amount of resources. There's a finite amount of money. There's a finite amount of collectors. Anything you get, you take it away from me. And so I got to fight you. Yeah. And we got to tell you that you can't be part of this because we don't want you tapping into what we're trying to get. It's all about finite resources instead of people just being good to each other, just yeah. helping each other out and, and, and supporting one another. And, it, and it's what's interesting about that, too, is that the mainstream art world uh, has done well. And like I'm saying the mainstream art world. And really, there is a separation here. Like you've got the mainstream art world and then you've got the elitist mainstream art world. Right. Yeah. Which is like the mega galleries and shit like that. And like, you know, uh, it's it's basically you're you're selling in commodities that are based on provenance. That's that's essentially what you are selling. And it has nothing to do with the art. Right. It has hardly anything to do with the art. You are just selling commodities based on provenance, provenance, knowing that the provenance in of itself is going to raise the price. So they're basically like commodities investments. Mm -hmm. And so like. That gets mixed in with the mainstream art world and the mainstream art world gets mixed in with uh, the art world and the art world gets mixed in with, you know, like these shows and things like that. And like everything gets very confusing because on the one hand, you've got several years ago, I forget which artist it was, was like the too many artists in the world, you know, like. <laughs> Like that, the, there's too many people out there creating art, and I'm like, you're you're so dumb. Like, you know, and then you've got then you've got people that are like, there's not enough artists in the world, and it's like so confusing because you're looking at this entire thing, and there is no information out there when it comes to being an artist, uh, that is not confusing. True. You know, because like. Okay, so we run our own art studio. We run our own art business, right? There are places where I've read that that's not a real artist. Right. A real artist is not someone who sells their art or creates art. A real artist is someone who's represented by a gallery. Not only a gallery, but it has to be a high-end gallery. Which, by the way, you can't have access to. Right. Unless you're already in that world. And how do you get introduced into that world? And that's, that's where, that's where the kid has a point. Because, you know what? The best way to get introduced into that world is to go in there and kiss butt. To schmooze. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so great. If that kid decided that that's what he wants for himself, then go do it. Yeah. And be prepared to deal with a lot of crazy stuff. That's and that I think that that's the biggest issue is like already already you're thinking that you have to jump through hoops in order to get into 
uh, a career, mm-hmm. right? So what makes you think that the hoops are going to stop? It's kind of like those people that get on American Idol, right? They get on American Idol and then after, you know, American Idol, they think that they're going to have this career that they're in control of or whatever. And then they find out like, oh, the, wait a second. The record companies are actually the ones that own me. Yes. You don't get to make the decisions. Right. You don't get to make those decisions. And I mean, and, and you could jump through those hoops and pay your dues, as they call it, which yep. is now a widely used term, has been for a long time. For the hope of someday being able to branch out on your own and do your own thing. Think about you and your band, right? Yeah. You guys wanted to get signed. Oh, yeah. In fact, we met with a record label in Los Angeles. Yeah. Now, what is the advice of any old musician out there? Elton John, you know, all these all these like uh, old musicians, Paul McCartney. What is the advice of those musicians who have gone through the rigmarole of doing what they've done? Their advice across the board almost entirely is don't do it. Don't do don't it. sell anything. Don't give rights away. Don't let them have anything. Do it yourself. And someone had recently said, uh, if if you sell 20,000 records and you own 100 uh, percent, that's better financially and emotionally than if you sell two million records and you own only 50 uh, percent. Right. Uh, it, it works out that those systems are set up to benefit the record label. That's the and and that's and that's what you're agreeing to entering that world. It's 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 known, right? That, that system is also the same system that you see in the art world. Absolutely. With the, the mega same. galleries and stuff like that. It is a system. Why? Because the record companies were able to make a killing off of someone else's blood, sweat and tears. And the same thing happens with a lot of these galleries. The galleries are able to make a killing out of someone else's blood, sweat, and tears. Not only are the galleries able to make a killing, but now it's a financial commodities market where collectors, certain status of collectors are just there with dollar signs in their eyes. I mean, and I'm not talking about everyone in that art world because mm-hmm. there are a lot of collectors that have been collecting artists since before they even became popular. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget which, uh, which uh, girl it is that she does the photography. She, she changes her face a whole bunch and oh, stuff yeah, like that. I, I forget who she about. is, but like uh, one of the documentaries that we watched, there was a collector that was collecting her work back when she was selling those pieces for like $200 a piece. Yeah. Now, because she's in that world, uh, each piece is uh, $20,000, which is still pretty reasonable for being in that world. It's yes. when you start getting up into uh, uh, basically selling your soul by signing with uh, with some of these mega galleries. Yeah, just like a record label. And look, I'm also not trying to criticize the record label or the mega gallery. They do what they do. Right. You have a choice. Yeah. You either sign up for that or you choose to, to blaze your own trail. But I think it's understanding that there is a difference. You have when, a choice. Yeah, when you guys wanted to sign, that was that to you seemed like the only option... Yeah, to and, be able to make it. And even back then, which wasn't that long ago, a couple decades ago, um, back then it was kind of still in that time period where that was the best choice right. for a band. Uh, now you don't need them at all because what they're promising you to for to, when you sign that contract in blood, <laughs> right? You sign away the rights to make decisions for yourself. They're promising you exposure. If they choose right. to give it, right. right? That's all they're giving you. They're giving you the opportunity for exposure. Well, 
there's a lot of stuff happening now where you could just go get your own exposure. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where that's where I think that that old mentality comes from, from approaching a lot of these galleries, because you think I'm only going to get the exposure, uh, you know, when when I'm part of these galleries uh, to this elite group of people that are going to be fawning over my art. Right. And uh, you forget that there's like, you know, eight billion people out there. I have collectors that are very wealthy. I have collectors that are not so wealthy. Mm -hmm. Like there is no difference uh, other than there. I mean, there is no difference. The only thing that they have going for them is that they love my art and they love communicating with me. And so they're human beings. The commonality is what you're saying. Yeah. The commonality. Yeah. The commonality. uh, It doesn't matter how much money they have. Mm -hmm. The commonality is that there are human beings who love my art and they collect it. Right. So like even when it comes to that, I don't have a different pricing for them across the board. Right. You know what I mean? It's not $100,000 for this guy and $100 for that guy. No, no. It's 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 all the, the same. It's all the same to me because they are collectors of my work. This kid was also saying, well, you know, I want my art to live on past me. And I, Oh, it's going to. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what you do. Yeah, no matter what you do. <laughs> like, it's going to live on past you. And I think the, the thing is, it's this fear that uh, you're, it's almost like your art is mixed in with your mortality, right? Like yeah. the idea, the idea that your art might be found in a secondhand store right. is terrifying to a lot of people. The when, idea. when in actuality, I think about it, I was like, do you know how many like famous artist pieces have been found in at secondhand flea at flea markets and secondhand stores yeah. or in luggage and things like that? Like it, it doesn't matter. The promise of the record labels and the mega galleries, right, is uh, it's going to happen faster right. for you. Right. You're not going to have to do the slow burn. We can get your car up to 200 miles an hour quickly. Right. And then then you can go from there, right? And it was Bill Burr, actually. Yeah. We were listening to Bill Burr, and he was like, do the slow burn. Do you the slow burn. You won't regret it. Yep. Do the slow burn. Retain 100% rights to your stuff. Don't sell your soul. <laughs> yep. Um, or your firstborn or whatever they want from you. Uh, do the slow burn. It's way more worth it in the long term. Yeah. Uh, to just... It is way more worth it. Uh, there, I and I forget what this artist's name was, but she was a child artist, right? She became very, very popular because she was like five and she was doing these abstracts or whatever. And a gallery picked her up, and basically, what ended up happening was that she went into production mode, mm-hmm. right? Throughout her teenage years, like she went into production mode, and she got very burned out because at this point. She wasn't creating what she wanted to create. She was you know, creating what she the was, gallery was selling. Yeah, she was a kid. So, like, she was creating, like, kid stuff. And then as she was going through her teens and, like, she's an artist and she's, you know, wanting to evolve and change, like, the gallery was like, nope, this is Gotta the keep stuff. doing the kids. Gotta stuff. keep doing this. This is what sells. Wow. And eventually what ended up happening was that the gallery dropped her and that was it. Her collector base went away. So, like... Uh, they interviewed her later on and and asked her like how she was doing or whatever. And she's like, I form my own collector base. I have people that buy directly from me. And sure, I'm not making the amount of money that I was making back then, but I make a pretty damn good living. And I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I don't need the fame or or my name in the headlines and stuff like that. Like now, I don't what, need it. 
one, some would argue, and I've heard this argument before, it's the same argument they use for American Idol. Yes, but you had some notoriety already from what you were doing with the mega gallery or what you did on American Idol, so such that when you branched out on your own, you were already kind of known, right? Yeah. There's that argument. Except, that if you you should, did, except if you did the slow burn, you'd, you'd be, be in the same place. <laughs> yeah, most likely you would. You know, you would be in the same place because basically you get lifted to here and then you get dropped down to here. Well, guess what? The people that slow burned their way there, they're going to meet you. That's exactly where they're at. Yeah. And they didn't have to go through all the drama and the bullshit of, uh, of feeling like a tool. When you do the slow burn, you do go through drama and bullshit, but you're going through drama and bullshit and you're growing from your experiences because you're facing your insecurities in order to make it through this, right? When you're doing the slow burn, mm -hmm. it's not easy. No, it's not. But, and but the end of the road for us is not Sotheby's or Christie's. No. Probably not. No. So you have to define for yourself what, what that success looks like. Right. Exactly. And like, and that's, that's the thing. The success is an ever moving target yeah. as well. So just focus on today because anyway, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And whether or not you think that you got to be part of this group or part of that group or you need to do this or you need to get these accolades or you need to get those accolades. Let me tell you, if you are an artist, you are creating art. That's what being an artist is. You know, it doesn't matter if you're selling art. It doesn't matter if you're deciding to make this a career. It doesn't matter if you're deciding that this is just what you do for yourself. It doesn't matter if you want to approach a gallery. It doesn't matter if you get into a gallery. It doesn't matter if you're not in a gallery. None of that matters. You are an artist. And so anybody that is putting you down because you're not part of their clique, uh, I'm here to tell you that they are completely full of shit, most likely insecure and using that clique as a way to make themselves feel better about themselves. And they're wasting their valuable time that they have on this earth and not creating art and being petty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to say thank you to CM Ralph for this awesome question, which caused us to tangent in all different yeah. directions. But I think it was cool because when you're talking about exclusivity or um, hierarchy or finite resources or competitiveness you get into all these areas whether yeah. it's on a local level or a national level or a global level yeah so you got to know where you stand emotionally for yourself yeah and you got to figure it out for yourself and and understand like what am i willing to do in these situations how am i willing to look at this what is it that i want to do why am i taking these actions am i taking these actions because i want status Right. Because I need to prove myself or am I taking these actions because this is actually what I want out of my career? Yeah. And understand, too, that that changes and evolves and whatever. So, yeah, great, great question and definitely went off into a lot of tangents. Yeah, here. we did. I, I think it's great. I think it's great. All right. And I'm curious to know what your guys' thoughts are uh, as far as like online groups or any kind of group or anything like that. Any aspect that we covered. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Any of the things that we covered. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Go ahead and list them in the comment section below. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. You guys are absolutely freaking amazing. I totally adore you. And if you like this and you want to listen to more like this, just click somewhere around here to subscribe. And that's it. Say goodbye, Clee. Good day. Adios. Total awesome